The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Outside the Huddle, featuring your host, Lemond Williams. This program is a great resource for players making career transitions, as well as a place to discuss this week's top sports stories. Now, here's your host, Lemond Williams. Welcome back to Outside the Huddle. Lemond Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. What a week in sports. We have a lot going on, on and off the field. Um, one, thank you for joining the show tonight. If you want to call in and join me in the first two segments before my partner in crime, George, chimes in at the school in segment three and four, you surely can by calling one eight 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 three four six nine one four four. Again, the call-in number to the show is one eight 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 three four six nine one four four. Again, a lot of stuff is going on throughout the sports world. We have the NFL kicking off their week four starting tomorrow in St. Louis versus the 49ers, and we have a lot going on right now. Speaking of a lot of stuff, uh, I want to kind of chime in and recap the Houston Texans versus the Baltimore Ravens game, and, and rightfully so, some off-the-field issues issue as well. I want to kind of address real quick. Talking about the Sweepy versus the Jacoby Jones incident that took place uh, early Monday morning about 3 o'clock, and, and that's the point. I mean, right then and there, I'm going to just go ahead and jump right into it. The fact that it's 3 a.m. in the morning, Eastern Standard Time, <clears throat> any pro athlete is out there at that time of night is asking for trouble. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, I'm just stating the facts that any time that you're out 3 in the morning on a, I would say on a school night, but on a, season, on a night where you have a season uh, or you prepare to play uh, an opponent this week, outside of that, He's on IR. I'm talking about uh, Jacoby Jones. Uh, now, Jacoby, I've been knowing him for quite some time when he was playing for Houston Texans. Uh, covered him as well as team and uh, got a chance to develop and understand his personality. So as far as going out and hanging out, that's right up his alley. He's the guy that can do that and still maintain a high level of performance on the field. However, you are guilty by association with the company that you keep. And unfortunately, he... <laughs> The company that him and Brian McKinney uh, kept on that bus that night or that morning uh, with the young ladies, one by the name of Sweepy, <laughs> ended up taking a bottle, allegedly taking a bottle to the uh, head of Jacoby Jones. Now, uh, as a player uh, and as a former player myself, you ever don't want to, you don't ever want to put yourself in a position where you can damage not just you know, the well-being of yourself, but also your teammates, Brian McKinney, and other people that's involved. Uh, I don't know what took place, but what I'm reading, I heard it was an altercation, verbal spat between the two, uh, but it's just a bad PR move 
altogether for the P uh for the Baltimore Ravens players, Jacoby Jones, Brian McKinney. Uh, I know Brian uh, was throwing a party, he was hosting some some young ladies, uh, you know, but no police report was filed and no situation took place when nobody was arrested. But on a court in a court of public opinion, it just looks bad. Uh I kinda agree with Ray Lewis stated. Uh doing Monday night football, lack of leadership in the locker room. Um, one incident doesn't make the whole team, however, one incident can bring a spotlight and uh, gives people the opportunity to take a, state their opinion on your organization and team by bonehead um, positions or bonehead situations like this. So hopefully Jacoby can recover from this injury, allegedly, and uh, he can get back onto the field with the Baltimore Ravens. So I just really want to kind of state, state my mind on that, uh, the whole Jacoby Jones situation. Uh, pretty much I really didn't have too much to say. I just thought it was a, you know, a bad situation. That I mean, a situation that went bad where you have a young man with a bunch of young ladies uh, and they don't have the same mindset as you as far as making sure everything goes well. But uh, I just want to kind of recap that and state my opinion on that. All right, let's go ahead and go into the Houston Texans road loss versus the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore, Maryland. Now, the Texans go into Baltimore. They was at 2-0 at the time. Now they're 2-1. A lot of momentum. Last two games uh, outside of the Ravens game, they had built a lot of momentum. Winning last second games, won in overtime over the Titans, and that Monday night victory against the San Diego Chargers late on the road. So my anticipation, my mindset was thinking that, oh, you know, if they was able to win one on the road, one at home, this should be a, not a cakewalk, but an opportunity for them to kind of make their mark in the AFC early in the football, the 2013 NFL season. However, it did not go that way. The Houston Texans did not score a touchdown against the Baltimore Ravens, losing the game. I want to say the score was 30-9. to Again, 30-9. to The Houston Texans lose to the Baltimore Ravens. All right, now, starting with the offense. Because the defense, for the most part, played fairly pretty good uh, due to the fact that the offense couldn't really move the ball and couldn't score in touchdowns. Wade Phillips and his 3-4 defense, the Houston Texans, was able to kind of hold off the Ravens' offense for the most part in the first half. Uh, but that's why it's three phases to the game. You have the offense, you have the defense, and you have special teams. Starting with the defense, the Baltimore Ravens' defense was able to pick off an interception due to the fact that Matt Schaub, was getting very comfortable with his tight end, Owen Daniels. The last, well, since the last three games, the, the Texans has relied a lot on the tight ends, and especially Owen Daniels. Matt Schaub normally goes to him when he's in trouble. Was picked off for an interception return for the touchdown. Um, where the Texans kind of messed up, in my opinion, was the fact that they were not able to sustain drives. Uh, and also in the red zone. Uh, there was On third down efficiencies, there was three for, three for 12, whereas... The Baltimore Ravens was 8 for 16. Uh, the Texans early on, in my opinion, had a t- more than one opportunities to be able to put points on the board early to kind of get the momentum and kind of crush the Baltimore Ravens early in the first quarter, but they did not capitalize on those opportunities. Prior to the game, they was able to be effective in a red zone, but when they went up to Baltimore, they could not score in the red zone and get going. Uh, Matt Schaub, I mean, all off season, but I was talking about is he an elite quarterback? Is he a quarterback can lead this team 
to the next level throughout the playoffs. Well, he did not show up, in my opinion, against the Baltimore Ravens on the road, and he threw his second consecutive game for interception for a touchdown. Uh, you can say what you want about Matt Schaub. He's a great in-game manager. Uh, he does well in that system, a lot of play action. However, he's not Peyton Manning. However, he's not Drew Brees. However, he's not Tom Brady. And we saw that on Sunday afternoon when he was up in the, on the road against the Baltimore Ravens. Sacked three times for 27 yard, I mean 24 yards, and he finished the game up with 194 passing yards, zero touchdowns in that one interception for uh, return for a touchdown against the Ravens to get them momentum. Defensively, I thought they played fairly pretty good uh, despite the situation they was put in. Special teams was horrible for the Houston, Te- for the Houston Texans. They was horrible. Giving up that big kickoff return as well as just, just not making plays. I mean, anytime your special teams don't step up on the road, um, you're in a position, you're putting yourself in a position to lose that game. Uh, Coach Kubiak had a chance to address the media after the game against the Baltimore Ravens. And I'm going to go ahead and get Matt, our producer, right now to play that sound bite. And when it's over, I kind of recap and give you my thoughts on that as well. Appreciate it, John. Congratulations to uh, Baltimore, John. They did a great job. Um, you know, we are in the type of game I thought we'd be in early in the game. I think, what, there five or six minutes left in the first half. We're in a 6-3 game, and over a four-play sequence, we give them 14 points. So, you know, that's where the game turned, and then from there you're playing catch-up all day long. But uh, very disappointed. Biggest disappointments and some discipline. That's that's my, my responsibility. You know, we got 14 or 15 penalties, so very disappointed in that. Uh, he's got a shin, uh, you know, a bad shin bruise. Uh, the x-ray was okay that they took at halftime. Obviously, you go back and look again. Uh, but, uh, you know, I watched him the first play. You know, we, we threw the ball the first play. I wanted to see him run. I did not think he could run the way he needs to to play, so we took him on. First possession, we missed a play down there to Andre. Uh, underneath on second down, if I'm correct, second and seven. And then we had third and goal from the eight. You know, we don't, we don't, uh, you know, we don't make a play right there. Uh, going down the other the other end, um, I can't exactly remember the, the third down play that we missed. Um, uh, oh, I know which one it was. We missed a, a flat route down driving through the ball behind him. If I'm correct, yeah, if we get the, if we throw the ball better, you know, uh, we should convert that first down. So, 0 for two down there in, in, a, in a game like this, where points are a premium, um, uh, you know that. I mean, that's a concern. But we were, we knew we'd be in that type of game. It just the biggest concern is giving them points, giving somebody 14 points. Again, that was the Houston Texans head coach, Gary Kubiak, addressing the media after the loss to the Baltimore Ravens on the road. And one thing they did mention that I wanted to kind of segue into is the injury to future Hall of Famer and all-pro wide receiver Andre Johnson. He had a, uh, a strain um, against, I want to say it was against, not, not his calf, but he had an injury towards his knee area where someone fell on it awkwardly and it just, it affected him by running the ball. So uh, right now, as I know that he's day-to-day, uh, Andre Johnson's day-to-day, as well as Dwayne Brown, he's out with a toe injury, turf toe injury, which will help the Texans moving forward because their offensive line did not play up to par without their all-pro left tackle, Dwayne Brown, on the road. Now, uh, any opportunity for a team to come at you on the road in their hostile environment, they will do that. The Baltimore Ravens brought pressure against Matt Schaub. I stated he gave up three sacks for 20, 24 yards, but 
that also falls on the shoulders of the wire of the offensive lineman. The linemen seemed confused at times, uh, didn't know their assignment in the passing scheme uh, at times, and it seemed like in the running scheme it was not uh, effective as far as with the zone blocking. The Texans, are, the Texans are known to run a lot of zone blocking scheme. And they could not get the ball going by running. I mean, couldn't get the, anything going by running the ball as well. So it kind of played right into the hands of the Houston, of the Baltimore Ravens at home, a team that's without Ray Lewis, a team without Ed Reed, which is a great segue for me to go into the defense of the Houston Texans. Ed Reed, who's been acquired by the Houston Texans this offseason as a free agent, uh, made his debut, made his debut in the stadium where he made his mark the last couple of years and for the most part will become a future Hall of Famer from that stadium in Baltimore. Uh, Ed Reed is now with the Houston Texans playing strong safety, or free safety, and was able to make his debut, had three tackles, and for the most part, to me, he looked like he was out of sync early on. Uh, but a guy with his wisdom and his leadership, um, you know you know he will regret, uh, regain that momentum and, and, and bounce back this week. But I just felt like he wanted to be able to be a part of this debut against the, Houston, against the, uh, the Baltimore Ravens on the road due to the fact that Ray Lewis, was being inducted into the uh, Ravens' ring of honor at halftime. So uh, can we say that Air Reed has passed his prime? Yeah, I, I don't want to call that out just yet. I would like to see what he's going to do moving forward. However, um, we can put to bed the fact that he's not ready to play because he was ready against the Ravens. So with Seattle coming to town, playing the Texans here in Houston, uh, they definitely will need Ed Reed against that offense. In um, that defense, Seattle team right now is red hot, coming on the road playing the Texans. Uh, they definitely will need his production. I'm talking about Ed Reed. Another thing defensively for the Texans, I thought, uh, for the most part early on in the game, they were able to force three and outs. For the most part, they were able to do their part. But it's a, it's a team effort. Sometimes you got to lean towards your offense to get you going. Uh, the Texans' offense could not get going earlier. Well, rookie uh, DeAndre Hopkins had six receptions for 60 yards, and uh, he was targeted seven times. Due to the fact that he did not have a touchdown, I liked the way he was very aggressive on the outside. I liked why I liked the fact that Matt Schaub went to him seven times. I mean, that shows a lot of respect for a young player early on in his career. Man, it looks like this segment is kind of wrapping up, first segment. I did a lot of talking, uh, so I want to make sure that we pay some bills here. So let's go and pay bills, Bill. I mean, uh, Matt, <laughs> Bill. Let's go and pay some bills, Matt, and uh, when we come back, I'll go around the NFL, kind of recap some other games around the NFL. Next, on Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. If you're looking for a show that takes you through the process of becoming a successful college athlete, you'll want to tune into Get It Done Sports Radio with host Karif Bird. You'll find out about the how-tos of getting to the next level and the do's and don'ts when preparing for college athletics. It's a complete inside look at what's turning out the next generation of players. 
Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Sports. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're outside the huddle with Lemont Williams. Want a piece of today's action? Call into the show right now at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or you can drop a line to Sports at yahoo.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams on the Force America Sports Network. Wrapping up the first segment of the show, as I recap, the Houston Texans versus the Baltimore Ravens. Kind of gave you my thoughts on that game as well as what took place off the field with Jacoby Jones and Sweepy <laughs> as she takes a bottle or allegedly takes a bottle to the head of Jacoby Jones. So now we enter in segment number two where I normally go around the NFL and kind of break down some games from this past weekend. And let's go ahead and stay in the AFC and go to Denver and talk about the red-hot Denver Broncos right now. Monday Night Football, they beat the Oakland Raiders 37-21. to And what can we say about Peyton Manning? I mean, here's a guy, last couple of years, everyone had questions about his neck. Can he come back, can he come back from the injury? Well, then we wanted to know what team would pick him up. Well, he decided to go to Denver, team up with John Elway, and John Fox as a head coach, and Peyton Manning is looking like Peyton Manning from the Indianapolis coach. He's pretty much continued to have success in the NFL, and he's a perfectionist. He's definitely a guy that wants to get better each and every time he touches the ball on each and every down. He finished up the game against the Oakland Raiders with 374 yards and three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Let me say that again, zero interceptions by Peyton Manning. And that's outstanding for a guy that you know going in the game that's going to pass the ball uh, multiple times. Some of the things that stood out to me, the fact that they was able to sustain drives. I mean, on third down, the Denver Broncos against the Oakland Raiders were 5 for 9. They had 31 first downs compared to the Oakland Raiders 13. So what that tells me is that Peyton Manning has been very efficient. He's been very effective by selecting certain plays because you know he calls his plays at the line of scrimmage. He's a guy that runs the no huddle and he runs his own system. Uh, He wants to catch the defense off guard, and he did exactly that against the Oakland Raiders on Monday Night Football. 31 first downs means that they're moving the chains and they're moving that clock. So they're controlling the clock and the first downs. Total plays, again, total domination by the Denver Broncos. 73 compared to the Oakland Raiders, 51. And let's Let's you know, keep this in perspective. Oakland had a quarterback named Terrell Pryor. He's coming into his second year, really, for the most part. 
as a star, or for the most part, getting a lot of playing time. I know he came in in the supplemental draft on Ohio State. He had those off-field issues. But for the most part, he's a veteran now. So with that being said, um, he's a guy that uh, right now is getting his opportunity. Uh, Prior finished up with 281 yards, one touchdown. For the most part, he didn't have any interceptions, zero interceptions, but he gave up three huge sacks. Pryor looked athletic. He looked like Terrell Pryor. He looked like a guy that can be a dual threat by running the ball and passing. But it's too much for him to handle early on in his career. He's going against Denver at Denver, on the road. Oakland is a team that's struggling offensively, trying to find an identity. Uh, Darren McFadden, have you seen him lately? I know I haven't. I'm still looking for him. Uh, He ended up rushing. (laughs) He showed up, but he didn't play well. He ended up getting, what, nine rushing yards? So Oakland's a team that wants to establish the running game to kind of help their passing game. It was a one-dimensional team. They put a lot of pressure on Terrell Pryor to get it done. And they played right in the, hand for the, in the hands of the Denver Broncos defense. Now, Peyton Manning, I don't think any team right now can stop him, the way he's rolling offensively, the way he's able to, to uh, dissect and break down the defense and, 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 and put his players in the right position to be able to be effective and also just spread the ball around, uh, share a lot of love to different players. Man, that's, that's, that's all you ask for from your quarterback. I mean, they even gave up two turnovers. They fumbled the ball twice. I'm talking about the Denver Broncos. And they still end up winning against the Oakland Raiders. No surprise. I mean, it's still Oakland. I mean, Oakland is Oakland. But at the same time, the Denver Broncos, man, they're phenomenal. They're, right now, they're the best team in the AFC. Right. I mean, I mean, I'm speaking the obvious, but they're the, right now they're the best team in the AFC. Let's see how they progress as they go into week four. But Peyton Manning, I mean, what else can I say? I mean, he's a guy that's is is red hot and and, and and looking like the old Peyton Manning of 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 his younger career. He's only at 37 years old. You think a guy slows down at that age, but he's starting to pick up and and and, and look outstanding uh, in the first three weeks. Speaking of Peyton Manning, his former team, the Indianapolis Colts, went on the road to play the San Francisco 49ers. Now, if you were to ask me last week when we gave our preview games and talked about George and I, we broke down week three games, and you just said, hey, Lee Mott, who do you think will win this game? Honestly, I would have told you San Francisco. The fact that San Francisco did not put up a good performance the week before that, before that and the fact that they're home against a coach team that really – Andrew Luck is starting to to develop himself in his second season um, with a new offensive coordinator. Not really new, but a coordinator that he's familiar with from out of college, Pep Hamilton uh, from the University of Stanford. Uh, but I was thinking, hey, maybe the 49ers can bounce back against the Colts, prove to everyone that their loss the week before last was not a big deal, and move forward with, you know, Colin Kaepernick and, and, and that spread offense, but I was 100% wrong. I mean, I tweeted throughout that game that day. I was surprised that the coach put out, went out there and put 27 points up against the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, offense and defense, because offensively they couldn't get anything going. They scored early in the first quarter, but that was it after that. Um, you know, the coach was a team that brought a balanced attack. You know, they had only 62, 67 total plays, but their attack was very effective. They, you know, had 179 yards rushing and 157 yards passing. 
So they had a balanced attack, which kept the defense off off guard for the San Francisco for I mean for the San Francisco Forty ers Whereas on the flip side, the Forty ers you know, it's like the turnovers was was really their issue. Uh, you know, and also the fact that Kaepernick is, is is struggling. Let's go ahead and throw that out there. He's struggling as a quarterback right now. He's struggling to be able to make those effect those those throws that he made the year before last. I don't know if the defenses are throwing things at him. I remember that throughout this game, a safety was always or a linebacker was always shadowing, shadowing uh, uh, Kaepernick throughout the game. So maybe that affected him, having somebody shadow him throughout the game. But, uh, you know, you know, getting your first loss, home loss, at Candlestick Park as a starter, Colin Kaepernick, um, he needs to find a way to get going. I mean, a lot of hype has been around him throughout the all season, going into the season, and he needs to step up. I mean, Russell Wilson is doing his part. Uh, Colin needs to do his part. I mean, here's here's a guy that has a lot on his shoulders. Organization Jim Harbaugh needs to find a way to be more flexible in that zone read offense. He needs to find a way to uh, change it up because defense are, are – and that's the thing about the NFL. Once you get film on someone, once you get opportunity to break things down from a defensive coordinator position, then you can make adjustments. I mean, last year everything was on the fly with Colin Kaepernick being able to come into the game and change the pace with the San Francisco 49ers and actually making it all the way to the Super Bowl. But it's film out there now, and you give a defensive coordinator 24 hours to 48 hours to break you down. They will, exactly, they will do exactly that. And the coach came in with a game plan. They came in with the mindset to get this victory on the road. Shout out to Pep Hamilton. I know him personally from the Howard University days when he was the offensive coordinator there. Slash quarterback coach moved on into the NFL, Stanford, and the rest is history. So good job. Oh, also Antoine Bethea, so former Howard Bison as well, starting safety for the coach, so uh, kudos to them as they get that victory on the road against the San Francisco 49ers. Now, it looks like we've got about four, min- four minutes before we wrap up this segment. So I want to talk about my 2013 surprise team right now going into week four, and it has to be the Miami Dolphins. Again, I'm going to say that one more time. My surprise 2013 team as of right now going into week four it's the Miami Dolphins. They're undefeated. Who knew? Who knew that the Miami Dolphins would be undefeated? Who knew that Ron Tannehill would be productive enough to run that offense to get them to 3-0? and And who knew that they would be the Atlanta Falcons at home 27-23? to That's exactly what the Miami Dolphins did last week. At home, Ron Tannehill, very comfortable in that offense with his offensive coordinator now. Well, it used to be his um, – Coach Sherman used to be his head coach at Texas A&M. Now he's the offensive coordinator over at Miami. And it just seems like Miami is a team that's on the mission right now. They're finding a way to get it done. Some games are not pretty. Some games are ugly. But a win is a win against Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta's a team with a lot of expectations. Everybody's thinking that Atlanta's a team that can make a push for the Super Bowl. But they can't even win day in and day out. They've got to beat teams that they're supposed to beat. It doesn't matter if it's at home or on the road. And right now they're sitting at uh, one and two. But the most important, I mean, most 
the the most important part of that situation, or one and two, is the fact that they're on two on the road. You got to find a way to get going on the road if you're going to be successful in this league. I'm talking about the NFL, and for Atlanta to be able to go down to Miami and lose to the Dolphins only helps the Dolphins more uh, uh, with their confidence level going forward. Let's look at some of the numbers. I want to see what jumps out to me the most. Uh, well, Atlanta, seven, the penalties right there, seven, seven penalties for 59 yards where Miami was able to hold on to the ball and not have any bonehead plays. It was only two for 13. Uh, let's see here. You know, nothing really spectacular statistic-wise. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is buying into the system. Uh, Matt Ryan, he had an interception against against uh, the Dolphins. But for the most part, Brian Hartline, uh, you know, here's a guy that really wasn't on my radar early on. I know I didn't really focus too much on him, especially when it came to uh, Houston and played the, uh, the, the Texans in the preseason. I want to say they played him in the preseason. Was it the preseason or was it the first game of the season? I want to say it was either the preseason or the first game of the season. I can't remember, but... The guy, uh, Brian Hartline, I know uh, Ray Ellis, our sports director over at Voice America, he's really big on him. Um, really wasn't on my radar, but, uh, hey, <laughs> I need to fix that radar because he's definitely uh, balling out right now for the Miami Dolphins as their key receiver um, week in and week out. But, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, Monday Night Football, I want to see the Dolphins on Monday Night Football. They're playing uh, the Saints. I want to say they're playing the Saints. I'm, I'm going to double-check that real quick. But they're playing the Saints uh, off the top of my head on Monday Night Football. And they're 3-0. and I mean, you might say, hey, that's not a lot. I mean, 3-0, and what's the big deal? But the fact that a team that was not impressive last year, you're actually playing the Saints on Monday Night Football. So I was correct. But for the Miami Dolphins kind of snuck in to become 3-0 and as of right now. Possibility of making the playoffs are a lot better this this season and right now compared to last season. And the fact that they're going against the New Orleans Saints, Drew Brees on the road in Georgia. I mean, in the uh, well, it's not the not the uh, it's new name now. Was it the Mercedes Benz Dome? It's got they got a sponsor on that dome now. Going against the Saints in that hostile environment is going to be loud. It's going to be pumped up. Guys going to be ready. Uh, it's going to be exciting to see what the Dolphins are going to do on primetime TV. they for real. Are they contenders or pretenders? We'll see and find out on Monday night. But right now, we got to give them, got to give it up to the Miami Dolphins. They're 3-0. and uh, They found a way to get it done in the passing game, ranked 14 in the whole league, and their defense is holding up so far. So uh, hats off to the Miami Dolphins. Shout out to George Edwards, linebacker coach. He's my linebacker coach at the Washington Redskins. All right, look, it's like we're about to come up on our second break, and hopefully George is on on hold where he can come into the third segment, give me his thoughts on the his thoughts on the Houston Texans versus the Baltimore Ravens, as well as preview some other games that's kicking out tomorrow. Next on Outside the Huddle, we'll leave my Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. Flagship station for sports. 
Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Are you a Philly sports fan? Maybe you're local to Philly or you're a transplanted Philly fan. Either way, you want to check out Philly Sports Jabronis. It's a radio show that has nothing to do with Chicago sports. It's not about NYC, and L.A. can't even muster a football team of their own. It's all about Philly sports, and nothing but Philly sports most of the time. Join your hosts Mike Greger and Joe Dara every Friday at 7 p.m. Philly time, 4 p.m. on the West Coast for the transplants on the Voice America Sports Channel. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it with 2.8 seconds it's left to left. From high school to the pros, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're outside the huddle with Lemont Williams. Want a piece of today's action? Call into the show right now at 1 888 346 9144. That's 888 346 9144. Or you can drop a line to Lemont Williams Sports at yahoo.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. Man, this show is going by pretty quickly here. Already going into the third segment. I'm kinda, I need to talk to Ray, man. Maybe I can get me an extension on this hour show or something. At least give me 10 more minutes or whatever. But anyway, <laughs> going into the third segment. Joining me now, my buddy, partner in crime. The last couple of weeks, man, it's been more than a couple of weeks. It's been the last two, three months. Uh, better known as George. I call him G-Man for short. And uh, George, man, how was class? How's everything going? It is great, man. I agree. You should get an extra hour, hour and a half on this show. We can really chop it up here at the end and, and, and get some of these opinions out here. It seems like we have to cram everything in. I don't know who we got to send the line out to, but we need to get some more time. <laughs> I'm with you on that, man. But uh, for what we have now, let's go ahead and roll with it. And right now, got to get your thoughts on the Houston Texans. They went up to Baltimore 2-0, and came back with their head between their legs. Losing the game thirty, was it thirty to nine? Losing the game to thirty to nine. So, what was your thoughts on that Houston Texans debacle up there in Baltimore? I think that the Houston Texans have shown their true colors through through this the beginning of this season, and their true colors are that that as Matt Schaub goes, so do the Texans. And it's sad to say that the Texans, this Texan squad, has so much talent on it, but there's one position holding them back. You know, you see, you look at a quarterback who's thrown two pick sixes in the past two games. And really, if you want to go as far as to say that he threw one in every single game, you could because the first play of the game against the Chargers, he throws a pick that puts the Chargers on the five-yard line. So it was really like – essentially it was a pick six because the next play scored. But still at the same time, your quarterback is throwing 
interceptions in clutch situations where you need him to come through and be a better quarterback. And with the addition of DeAndre Hopkins and you have Andre Johnson, who, who is, has been somewhat a health risk this, this past couple of games, but you have Arian Foster, you have Ben Tate, and this is the last year that you're going to have Ben Tate, your offense should be clicking on all cylinders, and we're just not seeing that from the Houston Texans. You know, what's the frustrating part about this thing is when you watch Peyton Manning on Monday night, but then you watch Matt Schaub on Sunday or whatever day it is when he quarter, plays quarterback in the same position as Peyton Manning. So to me, you know, what's the difference? What's the difference when you watch Peyton Manning or then when you watch Matt Schaub? What is the difference? They both play the same position. Why are Peyton Manning so effective and successful at a quarterback position Then you see Matt Schaub and he's not? I don't know that the Texans fully trust Matt Schaub to be a Peyton Manning-type quarterback. You look at Peyton Manning, he's a field general. He's going to get out there and he's going to run his offense. Honestly, in Denver, if you're the offensive coordinator, it's the easiest job in the world because you just give Peyton Manning the playbook and you tell him, look, go out there and do what you do. And that's all you have to do because he's going to get out there and he's going to manage that game and he's going to be the general on that field. And that's what the Texans need. They need a quarterback who's going to go out there and put the game in his own hands instead of always throwing the ball to the defenders. And I think that the difference that you, the main difference that you see in Matt Schaub and Peyton Manning is that Peyton Manning can go out there and diagnose a defense, and as soon as he diagnoses it, he knows who's going to be open, where they're going to be open. And, and Matt Schaub just isn't that type of quarterback. Now, the Texans don't need him to be that type of quarterback. They just need a decent quarterback job out of him. And I think that if they had someone, and you were talking about the Atlanta Falcons, in this past segment, if they had someone maybe like a Matt Ryan who could manage the game a little bit better and was a little bit better of a quarterback, they would definitely be in the hunt to be one of the top teams in the AFC. Well, you mentioned defense, and that's a good transition to the Texans' defense. How would you grade their defense against the Baltimore Ravens on the road? I give I give the Texans' defense an A+. You know, you look at the wow. defense, and, and I say that because of this. The defense was not on the field for 14 of the points that were scored. So you hold the Baltimore Ravens to, what is that, uh, 26 points, 16 points? Mm-hmm. 16 points. You hold, the, you hold the, the Baltimore Ravens to 16 points on defense, and that's a great outing. Any offense in the NFL should be able to go out there and get at least 16 points. And because the offense of the Texans – is not as aggressive as they need to be. That's the reason why they lost the game. But I definitely I look at a Texans defense that's the second-ranked defense in the league, second to the team that they will be playing this week in the Seahawks. And it's it, it, it's kind of sad to see because you see a Texans defense that that's one of the top in the league and, and an offense that is one of the bottom in the league. So that's the reason why the Texans are, are not as successful as they could be. Well, in the back end, Ed Reed made his debut for the 2013 Houston Texans, and he also was able to make a debut against his former team, the Baltimore Ravens. How will you evaluate Ed Reed's performance in his debut against the Ravens? I think Ed Reed was not as much of a factor as the Texans expected him to be. You look at a guy who's been a ball hawk for his whole career, the best, one of the best center fielders, safeties in the in the National Football League um, in the past decade, and he was a non-factor. He gets hurtled on one play, which he did his job by getting the guy to jump out of bounds. But his tackling is is off, and I think that that's just a little bit of the rust and a little bit of him trying to get back into football shape. But at the same time, 
this guy's got to be a, a more of an X factor than that if the Texans really want to get what they were expecting to get out of him. What is it going to take for the offense? I mean, offensively, Matt Schaub has thrown two interceptions for a touchdown return the last two weeks, and um, you know their offense of, of line seems like they're having issues. What is it going to take for them to kind of bounce back this week against the uh, Seattle Seahawks? I think that it's a really easy pawn to put it off on the offensive line, being that Dwayne Brown was out and you had uh, Ryan Harris starting in his position, which I mentioned on the show last week. You have to look at that matchup, and, and it was a matchup that was definitely an X factor in this game. But I think that the offensive line was good enough for the Texans to win. I think what needs to happen is they need to get this running game clicking on all cylinders and get back to the two-headed monster that was Ben Tate and Arian Foster. And if they can do that, then their passing game will will see leaps and bounds because the Texans' passing game is fully based off of their running game. And for the longest time, any, ever since Gary Kubiak has been the coach of the Houston Texans, it's been run first after you set up the run, set up the play action. And when the play action is there, you see wide receivers wanting, running wide open on the field and that's the great part about this offense here in Houston is that if they can get that concept down and they get the running backs going the way that they want to get them going, it's it's an unstoppable force with you having DeAndre Hopkins in there as a second wide receiver. How disappointing was it to see the special teams give up that big kickoff return for a touchdown? I've been harping on the special teams since preseason. I think the special teams coach, Joe Marciano, he's a great guy. He's, you know, a, a very likable guy. But he's got to get his stuff together. They went out and hired him an assistant this past uh, this past offseason to help him out with the special teams, and they're still giving up big plays. And you look at the the play, that the punt return that happened, and it wasn't really even the coaching. It was really the players not wrapping up and tackling. They were all in the lanes, the proper lanes they should have been in. But when they got to the ball carrier, they stood there, and as soon as the ball carrier went past them, they slipped on the ground. So you have to be able to get in there, make a big hit, or at least wrap up and make sure that somebody else can come up and clean house. But special teams cannot allow a score. If the special teams allows a score in in any of the games, you're going to be looking at at a high percentage that the Texans will lose because special team scores are rare, but they are definitely momentum builders. Two back-to-back games for Andre Johnson for the Houston Texans was injured last week. He had the shin against the Baltimore Ravens, and the week before last he had the concussion against the Tennessee Titans. Andre now, George, is approaching that age in football where he's kind of the veteran that's getting up in age, and he's considered the older guy as a receiver. How concerned are you for just not just for Andre playing on the field, but also his his health moving forward as a person? I think as a Houston Texan, you have to be concerned a little bit about that, especially with the way that Andre Johnson's contract is structured. You look at a guy who's restructured his contract to get a lot of these players that are here on the Houston Texans squad. Now he's restructured his contract to make sure that they're able to be here. And what has happened is, is now the next four to five years, he's guaranteed $10 million. So he's going to be a cap hit every single year. And because of that, the Texans need him to be healthy, and they're catching him on the back end of his of his career. I think that he can overcome this. He's a great, you know, veteran guy. He takes care of his body. I think that as DeAndre Hopkins grows in this offense, uh, Andre Johnson will be able to get a chance to to get a little rest on those legs, and I think he'll be fine. Well, yeah, he, they have him down as day to day, so I, I anticipate him playing 
on uh, Sunday. Another guy I anticipate playing is Dwayne Brown. Do you do you think he will make a, a impact coming off that turf over injury against the Seattle Seahawks? I think Dwayne, Dwayne Brown has to play for the Texans to even have a chance at winning this game because he's one of the best left tackles in the league, if not the best. And anytime your best left tackle, which is your blindside tackle, everybody who knows football, and for those of you that don't, your left tackle is the main guy on your on your offense that you want to be a stud because he has to be able to block all these pass rushers to make sure that none of none of the uh, the quarterback doesn't get hit from his blind side. So he's going to be a big factor, and if he can come back and be fully healthy, I think that the Texans have a better chance of winning this one. But to be honest with you, I, I chalked this one up as a loss for the Texans already. All right, so it's good stuff there, man. Like always, it looks like it's time for us to take our break, and we're going to head into the last segment. So good stuff recapping the Houston Texans, giving your thoughts on the Texans versus the Ravens game in week three. And we're going to prepare for week four as we preview and predict week four NFL games, starting with the St. Louis Rams versus the San Francisco 49ers. Next on Outside the Huddle, we'll leave Mont Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. flagship station for sports voice america sports sports continues to grow and evolve to ever increasing prominence in today's society on all around sports host john inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world including players owners and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today john will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events tune in to all around sports with john inglesby fridays at 1 p.m eastern time 10 a.m pacific on the voice america sports channel Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it with 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're outside the huddle with Lemont Williams. Want a piece of today's action? Call into the show right now at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or you can drop a line to Sports at yahoo.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. Entering segment number four, 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 four. As we wrap up the show with George, man, George is going to preview 
NFL Week 4 game, starting with the San Francisco 49ers visiting the St. Louis Rams. Who do you think will win this game and why? I think the St. Louis Rams are going to lose this game. I think that the 49ers have to have a bounce-back game. They've uh, they've struggled the past couple of weeks, and, and they've played a couple of pretty good opponents. But when you look at a team that loses against the Indianapolis Colts, who were definitely not the favored party in that matchup, I think they all went back to the drawing board, and I think that they're really refocusing and trying to figure out what went wrong. And I think that the 49ers are going to pull this one out surely out of trying to pull their season back out of the gutter. You look at a team who everybody expected to be a Super Bowl favorite in the NFC coming into this season, and now you look at a team who may not even make the playoffs if they continue to play the way that they are. So you definitely want to bounce back, and and I think the St. Louis game is a good game to bounce back to. Although they did not win in St. Louis last year, I think they came up with a tie in St. Louis, Mm -hmm. and they uh, lost one. So I think that... At the end of the day, you have to you have to bounce back, and, and this is your bounce-back game. I think depending upon this game, it, it, that's going to depend on how the 49ers season go from here forward. Okay, well, real quick, I, I think St. Louis will pull this off. The fact that they're home, it's Thursday night. And the fact that they're a team that can throw the ball, you know, they rank eighth overall, 282 yards. The 49ers have issues as far as stopping the passing game. Uh, they're going to have some kind of success. Um, Bradford has to step up his game. Sam Bradford against the uh, 49ers defense, and I think they find a way to rally and win by a field goal or it'll be a close game. So I'm going to go with the St. Louis Rams over the San Francisco 49ers on week four kicking off uh, this weekend's games. All right, going into Sunday's game. Let's see here. Starting, okay, let's go with the New York Giants, 0-3. Going against the three and Kansas City Chiefs, who do you think will win this game, George? Why? I think the Giants have big questions on on their team, and they're really trying to find their identity. I think that the Kansas City Chiefs continue to roll and 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 continue to take in this this new offense with Alex Smith running it and and uh, this running game with Jamal Charles, and continue to to move forward. I think that they they increase their record to four and zero, and I think that the Kansas City Chiefs come out victorious. You know, with the, with the Chiefs having so much luck right now, and I mean luck, I say the football guys is on their side. Uh, the game against the Eagles on the road in the Rebo, where he went back to his former team, the Philadelphia Eagles. Special teams stepped up. Defensively, they stepped up and scored a touchdown, interception return. If they can get that same effort at home, which you know that place is going to be rocking. I'm talking about Arrowhead Stadium. Now that they're 3-0. They can put the bed the New York Giants early in that game on the road. Uh, I like my chance with K, uh, Kansas City. I like what uh, you know. Offensively, the Chiefs manage the ball well. Defensively, they're playing solid football, especially the linebacker position. They was able to come after the Eagles against Michael Vick. I'm with you. I'm going with the Chiefs as well. All right, bump it down to the last 12 o'clock slash or really one o'clock, 12 o'clock Central Standard Time game here in Houston, Reliance Stadium on Fox. Uh, Seattle comes in town to play the Houston Texans. Who do you think will win that game and why? I think Seattle comes in and, and beats the Texans. I think that the Texans are are seriously on a, on a ride downward, and I think that if they, they if they can pick it up and, and only lose this one by seven or or a, or a field goal, if they make it a tight game, I think that builds morale for the team because the Seahawks are one of the teams, the best teams in the league, and I think that the Texans 
are definitely not playing at a caliber of a best team. And I think that in the end, the Seahawks are going to come in here and show the Texans what competition they're going to have to be able to compete against in order to even think that they're a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, I'm not count- I'm not comfortable with what I'm seeing from the Texans. I- I'm really not comfortable offensively. I think they're too conservative offensively, too predictable with the uh, zone read running as well as the play action. Seattle, I want to see them on the road. I know their team that can travel. Earlier this season, they went on the road and they beat Carolina, I want to say. Uh, I-, I just like what I see out of Seattle. Russell Wilson, I'm going Pete Carroll and the boys. Seahawks <laughs> win it over the Texans. All right. Oh, it's a game in London this weekend. Pittsburgh, Minnesota, both teams are on three. They're on three, Bo. Who do you think will win that game? I, I definitely can tell you one thing that I can guarantee. One of the teams is going to end up having a victory, which is the first <laughs> of the year for them. So that will be nice to see. But it just sucks that the two teams that are going over to London for the one game that's in London this year are both 0-3. But that's neither here nor there. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are, are playing horrible football right now. Um, they have an identity identity crisis at running back. Ben Roethlisberger comes out today talking about uh, uh, Le'Veon Bell and questioning his work ethic. I think that there's a lot of corruption inside that team, and I think that at the end of the day, the Minnesota Vikings can pull it out because they're a stronger uh, stronger team mentally than than the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Pittsburgh Steelers still haven't found their identity. Okay, staying with the on three bowl. Uh, the Washington Redskins is on three with travel to the West Coast to play the Oakland Raiders. Who do you think will win that game? Will RG3 get his victory on the road? I think RG3 finally gets that victory he's been searching for since his injury. I think that this is his coming out party and that uh, this, this, this time next week we'll be talking about how RG3 came out and showed us the RG3 that we saw in, the, in last season. And I think that the Redskins come out with the victory here. All right, the Eagles, will they bounce back against the Denver Broncos on the road? Definitely not. I think the Denver Broncos are rolling right now, and I think that the, the Broncos are, are a team that, that that can't be beaten. Honestly, I don't see a team in the league other than the Seattle Seahawks that can be any competition. I think, honestly, the, the Super Bowl will be Seahawks and, uh, and Denver, uh, barring any major injuries to either team. Okay, I agree with you. I don't think... Denver will slow down at home against the Eagles. Ooh, a really good Monday night, I mean, excuse me, Sunday night game. The Patriots versus the Falcons. Who do you think will win that game in the Georgia Dome and why? I think you always, anytime there's a team, a competitive team like this, and the Patriots and and the Falcons, you have to choose the Falcons when they're playing at home. I think that there's a different advantage for the Falcons when they're there in, in the Georgia Dome, and I think that they play a little bit better when they're there at home, just like any other team. But uh, the Patriots still have uh, some problems at wide receiver. Dan Amendola is not fully healthy yet, um, and, and he's he's one of their key weapons. So you look at uh, Stephen Ridley, who's not really running the ball too well either for the for the New, uh, New England Patriots. So I think that the Atlanta Falcons pull out a victory in this one. Yeah, don't sleep on New England, man. They're 3-0. Their team kind of creeping up underneath the radar. They win this game. Uh, everybody pay attention to him. Real quick before we wrap up the show, will the Dolphins go to 4-0 or will the Saints slow that, that well, the Dolphin train down and win at home at the Mercedes? Who that? Who <laughs> that? I'm telling you right now, the Dolphins will know who that is whenever the the game is over <laughs> on Monday night. I think the Saints are, are too powerful of a team for the Dolphins. I think that Drew Brees is just 
a, a great quarterback in the league right now, and uh, his play has honestly been under underappreciated uh, by media folks. And I think that you have to really look at Drew Brees and a quarterback who can manage his his team and and really uh, really is one of the best in the league. I think that his team, the New Orleans Saints, come out of the Mercedes for Dome with a, with a victory. All right, George, good stuff. We got to mention that the Green Bay Packers is on a bye as well as the Carolina Panthers going into week four. And uh, uh, just want to go, let's go ahead and wrap the show up, man. It looks like we got about three minutes or less to wrap up the show. Any final thoughts for you, George? Uh, what you looking forward to as far as this weekend? I'm just excited to see the Kansas City Chiefs and the, the progress that they've made. You look at a team who really coming into this season was not a not even on anybody's radar to make the playoffs. Um, they were one of the worst teams in the league last year, and I think that the Kansas City Chiefs have really impressed me thus far this NFL season, and I really hope to see more out of them. So that's one of my surprises. In a, I mean, that, that's going to be one of the great things to watch this this uh, football season. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the Dolphins. I'm surprised that the Dolphins are 3-0. The fact that I watched them, well, we watched them together at Reliant when they came in town to play the, the Texans in the preseason game. So the fact that they're 3-0, it's very surprising. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is starting to get off to a good start with his from, former head coach, size offensive coordinator, uh, Coach Sherman, now at the Miami Dolphins. So, uh, good stuff, George. Good stuff, man. I want to thank you for joining the show. I know you had class. You joined the show. You called in to the show a little bit later, but I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Anytime, man. All right. I also want to thank the listeners out there for listening to the show each and every week outside the huddle with Lemont Williams. Until we meet next week, be blessed and have a great weekend. Thanks for joining Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams. We're back next week for another live show, Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Check back with us on the Voice America Sports Channel.